welcome to Easy, Easy Bake, Bake Takes, Takes, the podcast, where we read you the one-star reviews of your favorite movies and more. My name's Kat. And I'm Riley. And this week, we are going to be doing Jennifer's Body, which is... Female gaze. Female gaze movie. Uh, we had to switch it up from last week. Yeah. We were going to do this movie called The Love Witch. Mm-hmm. Which... Here, I got this. You got it? Um, okay. <laughs> That was really good. <laughs> that was a good bit. She's actually a turf. <laughs> we, it, it was this witchy movie that I honest to God believed was satire. So the, uh, the, the best thing I could say is this. Mm -hmm. When you watch it initially without knowing anything about the intentions behind the writer director. Yeah, without looking up anything. At knowing anything about her. Mm -hmm. The messaging is like pretty feminist, pretty progressive. Mm -hmm. It seems like a satire on like gender stereotypes and stuff mm -hmm. but when you read the writer director's words on what she meant by all of it it kind of makes for a really shitty movie that doesn't make sense i'll just say it she has some very trans exclusionary radical feminist beliefs that we just don't feel comfortable sharing so yeah you know you watch it and you're like oh this is satire obviously and then you read about her and you're like oh no she she means literally everything you're watching is literal yeah really cool aesthetic great best thing about that movie best thing about the only good thing about that movie mm -hmm. I don't want to talk about this movie in length. You know, I don't want to spend a whole podcast talking about it. Yeah, it would have been just about her and her shit beliefs and what it actually means when you think about what she thinks of, of feminism in general and just all that stuff. And her husband wrote the psychopath Bible, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, this movie, honestly, when you suggested this as an option to do, I was mm -hmm. like, oh, this movie does exactly what I thought the Love Witch was trying to do initially without researching into her. Yes. And does it better. And does it better. It makes sense, you know? And this is a cult classic. I only watched this movie recently, a few- I've been telling you to watch it. I know. I feel like I only watched it until last Halloween. I really do. Mm -hmm. I think it was that soon. So, but I've watched it a couple times since then. It's so good. It's fantastic. So we're going to get into it today. Yes. The movie that deserves our time. Yes, exactly. That's worth talking about. Yeah. We already know we love the people who made it because we've already done two movies by these people. So. Yes, exactly. What One of my favorites, you know. One of my favorites, The Invitation. There you go. The Invitation. The Invitation. Two great fucking movies. Anyway. Yeah. Have we done The Invitation yet? Yeah, we did. Okay. We've done so many. I, I keep forgetting. <laughs> we've done so many. <laughs> I have to get a refresher. Anyway. <laughs> but back to Jennifer's Body. Back to Jennifer's Body. This movie was made in 2009. It's rated R. It's an hour, 42 minutes. I believe that's the extended version. If you watched the one on Max. <laughs> watch the extended version. <laughs> yeah. Watch the extended version. Don't don't bother with the other one. <laughs> but that is the version that's on Max is the extended one. So let me go ahead and read the plot. Anita, nicknamed Needy Linsky. Lesnicky. Les, is that her name? <laughs> yeah. Les, okay. Lesnicky? Once an insecure and studious teenager living in the small town of Devil's Kettle, Minnesota, is now a violent mental inmate who narrates the story as a flashback while in solitary confinement. Since childhood, Needy has been best friends with Jennifer Check, a popular cheerleader, despite the two having little in common, and Jennifer often mistreats and dominates Needy, who is too in awe of her to stand up for herself. One night, Jennifer takes Needy to a local dive bar to attend a concert by indie rock band Low Shoulder. <laughs> Byron engulfs the bar, killing several people. People. Jennifer, in shock from the fire, leaves with the band even though Needy tells her not to. Later that evening, she appears in Needy's kitchen, covered in blood, and attempts to eat a rotisserie chicken. She immediately vomits a trail of black fluid and almost bites Needy's neck. 
but retreats and leaves. The next morning at school, Jennifer appears fine and dismisses Needy's concerns, appearing apathetic to the fire tragedy. She seduces the school's football captain and disembowels him. <laughs> Meanwhile, Low Shoulder gains popularity due to their falsely rumored heroism during the fire and off to make a charity appearance at the school's spring formal. A month later, Jennifer appears sick and listless. She accepts a date with school alternative slash emo Colin, who she brutally kills. While Needy and her boyfriend Chip have sex, Needy senses something dreadful has happened. She leaves in a panic and almost runs over Jennifer, who's drenched in blood. Jennifer visits Needy at home and the two kiss. Jennifer explains that Low Shoulder had taken her into the woods after the bar fire and offered her as a virgin sacrifice to Satan in exchange for fame and fortune. Although the sacrifice was a success, Jennifer was not actually a virgin who she became permanently possessed. She became hungry and Ahmet, a foreign exchange student who was thought to have died in the fire, was her first victim. She had intended to eat Needy as well, but left because she could not bring herself to hurt her best friend. When she is eaten, she can withstand virtually any injury without pain, healing instantly. Edie goes into the school library's occult section, occult, occult section, and determines that Jennifer is a succubus who must feed on flesh and can only be killed while she is hungry and weak. Needy tells Chip about Jennifer. He does not believe her, so she breaks up with him in order to protect him. Chip is in, intercepted by Jennifer on the way to the school dance and lies to him, saying that Needy had been cheating on him with Colin. She takes him to an abandoned pool and begins feeding on him. Needy arrives and Chip impales Jennifer through the stomach with the pool skimmer. Jennifer escapes and and Chip dies. Angry and heartbroken, Needy breaks into Jennifer's bedroom. The two fight and Jennifer bites Needy's neck in the struggle. Needy rips Jennifer's half of her best friend necklace off her neck. Jennifer stops fighting back and Needy stabs her in the heart with a utility knife, killing her and destroying the demon. Jennifer's mother enters and finds Needy on top of her dead daughter's body. Needy is brought to an asylum. She now manifests some of Jennifer's supernatural powers due to the bite. She escapes the mental facility and hitchhikes a ride, telling the driver she is following a band. In the credits scene, a home video, a home video and crime scene photos show that the members of Low Shoulder have been murdered in their hotel by Needy. As they should. As they should be. They started it. Yep. The director is Karen Kusama and writer Diablo Cody. And then we have our cast. Megan Fox plays Jennifer. Amanda Seyfried who plays Needy. Johnny Simmons who plays Chip. Adam Brody who plays Nikolai Wolf. Sal Cortez who plays Chess. Ryan Levine who plays Mick. Chris Pratt who's only in it for like a minute plays officer roman duda okay also jk simmons yeah and jk simmons he plays a teacher but he only has two lines too mm -hmm. and technically he's not an officer yet he didn't graduate yeah he's still in the academy so imdb you need to fix that he is just roman duda <laughs> <laughs> chris pat is always a jump scare for me in the movie because he just i mean he just appears and then disappears yeah it would, the way his character set up you think that he's gonna be in it way more he's not <laughs> Don't worry, guys. He's only in it for a few seconds. <laughs> just cover, just close, cover your eyes while he's on screen. <laughs> now some trivia. Despite mixed critical reception, the film has gained a strong cult following over the years. It even garnered an unofficial musical in 2018. Hey, when the girls and the gays... Like when they see something and they're like, wait a minute. This is good. <laughs> a musical gets written. That happened with But I'm a Cheerleader. Yep. In February of 2016, interview with the New York Times, we're trying to illustrate how completely the, completely the studios, which were all male, marketing department misunderstood the point of this movie. Director Karen Kusama recalled that one of their marketing ideas was for Megan Fox to do live chats with amateur porn sites. Oh my god. Kusama said that she begged them not to even mention the idea to Fox because she will become so dispirited it was crushing. Yeah, I saw a quote from her something along the lines of like it, her body being like for sale essentially mm -hmm. 
because of uh, the way Hollywood treated her and one person in, in particular, Michael Bay. Mm-hmm. Maggie Fox has said that this is her favorite movie of her respective filmographies. That makes me really happy. Yeah, I love that she loves it. I can imagine that Diablo Cody and Karen Kusama treated her very well, like while working on this movie. Oh yeah, they get it. <laughs> Especially because this was like right after she did like Transformers and stuff and just was like, I don't know. Terribly mistreated. Yeah. The quote-unquote waterfall that goes nowhere is the Devil's Kettle at Judge Magny State Park in Minnesota. The water disappears into a glacial pothole. Okay, so it's an actual place. It, the actual place is actually in Vancouver. I think it, this trivia fact is just like trying to scientifically explain what it is. Okay, so it's not a wormhole. It's not a wormhole, unfortunately, but like it's trying to scientifically say what it is. But this was, it was actually filmed in Vancouver, Canada, I believe. Gotta get that tax break. Mm, yes <laughs> it's it's cheap to film up there oh i love this one hershey's chocolate syrup was used for jennifer jennifer check's black vomit scene along with the use of cgi animation that's what they did in the black and white horror movie days because it looks more like blood makes sense and tasty yeah they must have put like food dye in it or something yeah probably probably to make it darker but yeah and like you said tasty tasty because <laughs> you know whenever they make like you hear stories of like the gross stuff they put in stuff like chicken fat dyed purple in the cat in the hat movie that's disgusting that's revolting i would opt for ch chocolate syrup as well i was just thinking about that i was like what movie was that again of course it's cat in the hat we can't go to podcasts without <laughs> mentioning it anyway <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Seyfried admitted in an interview that she really enjoyed her love scene with Megan Fox. She said it was very exciting. Jennifer's Body is my favorite movie that I've done. It was overlooked in theaters, but it does have a DVD following. I can't believe nobody wanted to see Megan Fox and me hitting it. They had an extreme close-up of our tongues, and I'm telling you, the thing about the scene is that it's actually really sexy. I think Megan and I kissed really, really... I kissed really well together. We have similar kissing styles and it worked and we got it done for the masses. Well, that was one of the marketing things they did is they really pushed that they kissed in the movie. Yeah, to bring in all the guys. To get the teen boys in because they thought that's who this movie is for. Mm -hmm. No, it's for the girls and the gays. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> For the scene where Jennifer Check is swimming naked in the lake, Megan Fox wore a flesh-colored bikini. I, I'm so confused by that because I know they're a thing, like... Fake nude. Fake nude, like you can wear the, like their actual stuff. But it's like, how do they make it look so real? I don't know, movie magic, but anyway. Later on, Emma Stone was considered for the role of Anita Needy Linsky. And also, oh shoot, who's the lady in the room? Brie Larson. Brie Larson tried to audition for Needy's character as well. But, you know, it went for Amanda Seyfried. I couldn't imagine either of them in it. Because they've almost seemed like, a, like, I don't know if I could see them in this, like, dorky friend role. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Like, they seem like a little too cool to be needy. Yeah. Emma Stone has too much of a comedic goofy. presence for me. Yeah, too goofy. She, yeah, she's too, yeah. <laughs> not, not in a bad way. It's just, you know, I just can't picture her very, very well in this role. I'm sure she's capable of it. Yeah. Of course. It's just, Amanda Seyfried nailed it. She really did. She really did. Uh, Diablo Cody wrote the screenplay for the film in 2006, the same year she wrote Juno. So she was just making banger after banger. Mm -hmm. This is fascinating to me. Uh, the, the demon who possesses Jennifer Check closely resembles a succubus. Succubus. Succubus from Jewish, Christian, and Sumerian mythology theology. It is said that succubi seduce men and fornicate with them until they are quote-unquote drained in the movie they represent drain as in draining of blood some possible examples of succubi are oh lilith yeah lilith 2 or lillian and lilith 
Lilith was Adam's first wife. Hmm. Interesting. Now she resides in hell. So I found that fascinating that this is like a religious thing. It it makes the um like messaging of the movie even that deeper, in my opinion, too, because like it's it's an idea of like promiscuity and evil being pushed by mainly religion or religion being used as the reasoning as to why those things are bad yeah okay so we're on the opinions what do you think of this movie so i love this movie so much obviously because i've been telling you to watch it forever yes i love movies with that are like cult classics because i just love when everybody is so confidently wrong about something mm -hmm. just because they don't want to look stupid to everybody else mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's the most interesting part of this movie to me is like an entire marketing team definitely didn't watch this movie just heard the the premise and was like boobies got it <laughs> but i almost called her jennifer megan fox does an amazing job in this movie mm -hmm. she does it's such a great feminist horror. It fully just subverts how women are treated in horror movies. I haven't seen it done this good before and since. It's just a fucking good movie. Like, I can't articulate how much I love this movie. Same. And I just recently watched it, but this is a movie that is just, it has all the makings of a great horror movie with this feminist tale to it. It's amazing. Yeah. I couldn't put to words what the commentary exactly was, so I found a quote from Kusama and Diablo Cody about, like, what it is. They said, girl-on-girl -girl hatred, which, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Sexuality, the death of innocence, and also politics in small towns whenever a tragedy happens. Mm -hmm. Which I feel like is an interesting thing to just, like, sprinkle in the background of this movie with just how everything is. Someone mentioned, uh, I don't know if it'll pop up later but how it has this feel of like post 9-11 how we treat strategies yeah and with the 9-11 shot <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> someone definitely mentioned about that and, and how the town treats the tragedies very similar to you know mm -hmm. i don't want to get into it because i want to take words out of their mouth and yeah say yeah. something that i don't know what i'm talking about but th someone was mentioning that yeah it's like interestingly layered yes because it doesn't feel like they're, they're trying to shove too many messages at you it's very well crafted in that way to where you don't feel overwhelmed with like messaging and satire and whatever i mm -hmm. think it's interesting to like watch how jennifer is before she gets sacrificed too because it's like she she still like kind of definitely like still treats guys as disposable to her yeah like she's not too different it's just like i think she seemed a little more innocent about it i guess i mean she's not she wasn't eating people before but like <laughs> do, you, do you get what i'm saying it, it kind of feels like with the loss of innocence thing it, it starts coming from an angry place instead of just like a whatever you call it like validation place that mm -hmm. it might have been before the sacrifice thing could definitely be a stand-in for sexual assault and that's what a lot of people call this movie is a uh analogy analogy it's a, a revenge movie directly associating to that yeah so yeah absolutely i'm sure that i'll be able to expand more on my thoughts on it later on yeah what were what were your thoughts on it especially like the first time you watched it first time i watched it was just like how incredibly funny it was it's a horror comedy it's not straight it's up. definitely a horror comedy and it's yeah. anyone who takes it too seriously as a horror like one of the one of the critics i have i was worried about that it was slim pickings and i tried to yeah. st stick with uh, you know, women reviews, I had to be lenient just for different reasons. But one of them was like, oh, it's not 
it's not scary enough. I'm like, it does. I mean, it doesn't have to be necessarily scary in order for it to be a horror movie. Yeah. Honestly, the horrors when the guys pick her up and take her to the woods. I mean, that's that's a horrific, yeah, horrific scene. I feel like this movie could very easily be spun into calling it like misandrist after those guys like attacking relatively innocent guys. Oh yeah, especially the emo guy. I don't think he did anything wrong. I do get sad when he dies. But she's not supposed to be a good person. So no, and that's the whole thing. And it's movies like this where people are like, she's awful to these men. I'm like, I don't really care. She's a bad, she's the bad guy. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not going to indulge in the conversation like, yeah, she's a bad person. I'm not, yes, we all know she's a bad person because she murdered people. Okay. All right. But I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, it's really bad that she did that. Yeah. Is it not fun <laughs> to watch a movie like this? Yeah. Especially when horror has always been about serial killer men killing women for decades. I'm sorry. Yeah. Can we have one fucking movie where it's a woman killing men? There's a, There are a few, but that doesn't take away from your point of the fact that it's like this movie's intention is to subvert the conventions of horror. Yes, that's the whole point of the movie. Also, do you does she need to have a valid reason in your eyes for her to be doing it for it then to be okay? Does she have to either have no personality and be like a Mike My Michael Myers kind of person? Or does she have to have solid, solid, solid reasoning for killing every single person? She is not the good guy. She is the bad guy. So why do you care that the villain's doing bad things? She's a villain. They're not touting her as the good guy in this movie. No, <laughs> they're not. Going off what you were talking about, Jennifer's character and like the difference between her before and after she gets turned. Beforehand, she has... I. I, I I hope I'm talking about what you were trying to explain, but like before she gets turned, she's to me, she's just this girl who unfortunately lives in a very small town. So only has access to the people around her mm -hmm. and can only express herself in so many ways. Yeah, there's only so much to do and so many people to meet so many people to do yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and after she gets turned i think this is what i think you were trying to say is like she there's this almost overzealous confidence that comes with her like mm -hmm. she knows she's indestructible at this point yeah uh this movie's awesome it is i love this movie you had something else? Yeah, I had, a lot of people were like saying this movie isn't a feminist movie. I didn't see a lot of reasons why. Oh, they're just making statements. They're just making statements. It's probably the misandrist thing where it's like, but she's senselessly killing men. It's like, guys, we're just doing that role reversal you always talk about. Mm -hmm. Yep. What if the rules reversed? Here. You're right here. Here's a movie about it. <laughs> And I did see this movie talking about how it queer baits, especially with that kissing scene. Is it queer baiting if the characters are a little gay? That's the thing. I'm like, <laughs> I've seen the movie. No, the marketing queer baited. Yeah, exactly. The movie didn't queer bait. The marketing queer baited. Which I think people got confused with. I think people got yeah. very confused with. It sounds like they didn't watch the movie. Yeah, it kind of sounds like, yeah. Exactly. It kind of reminds me of like, but I'm a cheerleader where it's like people wanted it to do so much. If it's going to get that one label on it, it has to do so many things. It has to cover every topic. It's just like, this is 2009. Like what we just said, the marketing team, Fox only let them do so much. There was supposed to be a whole sex scene between Jennifer and Needy's character. That was cut though. It got diminished so much that makeout seems the only thing left in the movie and then other than interactions with the character where we're reading into it. That That's what it got narrowed down to. There was supposed to be so much more. But, you know, it's 2009. It got censored out of it. It got censored out, which is disappointing, but there was supposed to be more. And I understand, like, sure, if you want to bring up that it could have been a lot more intersectional in what it was 
going for? Sure. I will listen to that. But you, you can't deny that it's a feminist movie. Literally the premise of the entire thing is a feminist take on the horror genre. Exactly. Love which when people were bringing up, oh, this is not a feminist movie. I understood what they were saying. And it's not. <laughs> it's a radical feminist movie. It's a, it's a, take this literally. It's a fucking trad wife of a movie. Yeah, it's pretty big. If you know what that is. It's rough. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry, last thing. No, it's fine. If they did, they surface leveled every fucking problem with feminism and just feminist issue that's, that exists and then never went deeper. Yeah, I would have a problem with that. It'd be like Ingrid Goes West where they just stayed surface level the whole time. Yes. I would much rather them go deep and focus on one aspect of something mm -hmm. and flush it out and get the idea across rather than try to tackle every fucking topic that exists. Yep. Sorry, I didn't mean to go on a rant with no, that. No, that's but... fine. Any last thoughts before we move on to our critic reviews? Uh, I'll save them for the critics. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to point out how Rotten Tomatoes like, it had 46% from critics and 35% from audience. That's not surprising, given its initial reception. Yeah. So I'm going to start with this first one. This one is from wonderfullyweirdandhorrifying.com. It was written in 2022. And they quote from the movie, Hell is a Teenage Girl. I've always had mixed feelings about Jennifer's body. I walked away from it the first time thinking the characters were obnoxious to agree that it annoyed me. The dialogue seemed tacky. However, after watching it more than once, it grew on me. And while I still think some of these things are true, I also think it's an intentional thing and that the overall style is pretty unique. It most definitely screams writer Diablo Cody's signature voice, Rapusimas, by satiric horror comedy is most definitely a vibe it's its own brand that's what i just fucking said mm -hmm. yep and i love that they admitted that it might be an intentional thing yeah it's obvious that this is trying to fill the 2000s slot for a heather's s teenage dark comedy this is going much further into the horror element and it's probably my favorite aspect of the film when jennifer is her flesh eating newly developed demon self the story is more compelling than its snarkiness even though some of the jokes are quite clever Others just cringe. I guess the other could be some cringe-worthy stuff as time goes by. Yeah, I think that's probably those, the jokes mm -hmm. and the, yeah. The outdated ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is probably Megan Fox's best outing, the supporting cast, which includes J.K. Simmons and Adam Brody. J.K. Simmons is such a minor character. It's so funny that they picked- got a hook for a hand, Deborah. <laughs> and they never explain why, which is so fucking funny. When he hands that kid the tissue, you're telling me that didn't- so fucking funny. Mm -hmm. This movie's so funny. Supporting cast, which includes J.K. Simmons and Adam Brody as the perfectly menacing com and comical lead singer, are all terrific additions and have some of the funniest lines. Fox and Cypher have good rapport with an ample mixture of jealousy and resentment buried beneath all their years as besties. Sometimes I think Jennifer's body bites off a bit more flesh than it can chew. It becomes like Jennifer greedy when it works and overextends some of its flexes. That being said, there's a charm in the details and the originality, even if the combo of horror and comedy doesn't always mesh. I could see that. I can appreciate appreciate somebody who had like real issues with it but still understand the intentions of the movie and like even got past stuff that annoyed them the first time by just understanding that it was intentional they still had some things to say but like i get it and it was fair and i see where they're coming from yeah this next one is a negative review. It's the Mazzy Twins. They didn't like it. They give it a 3 out of 10. High school could be hell. And Jennifer's body makes sure to illustrate the point with torture friendships, delvish betrayals, and did not demonic violence. But it also tries hard to be hip and clever in both its dialogue and its perils to teen life. While it hammers home the comparisons, it also focuses so much on its self-absorbed witnesses that it can't pay enough attention to the slasher's aspects. Leaving viewers with film that's part parable, part comedy, part horror, part exploitation, ultimately not much fun at least the two female leads can share a passionate kiss undeterred by the absence of reason and plausibility i'm sorry 
I think you just don't understand because there was reason and plausibility. They couldn't understand the plausibility of why the two main characters would be gay. <laughs> but they were happy that it happened. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they got from it. Even her boyfriend is like suspicious. Not in like they're gonna kiss way or anything. But it's like he doesn't trust Jennifer. Yeah. He knows something's off there. Mm -hmm. Come on. Yeah, exactly. If the trials and tribulations of female high school life can be equated to a bizarre occult dynamic possession, then writer Diablo Cody has penned the masterpiece. However, few may agree with her method of proof, especially when the humor is often lifeless, the jump scare manipulation is time-worn, and the contemporary dialogue is forced. The purportedly hip lingo spouted from nearly every character except J.K. Simmons, a solid character actor who has found his way in many recent films, is Cody's trademark. Yet, as out of the light-hearted dramatic territory of Juno, it's completely ineffective. Jennifer Speak includes a few nominally clever phrases such as salty morsels in reference to attractive teens, lime green jello for jealousy, and sea cucumber for masculinity. Most of it isn't nearly as catchy or epigrammatic as it is simply peculiar. We said so much stupid shit when we were in high school. And that's the point. And also, every generation, even, even kids younger than us, have their own like slang their own lingo the words they're using we have a friend who taught high school occasionally she would come to me and be like what does this mean they keep saying it <laughs> it's still there's still stupid shit that adults don't understand that teenagers are still saying it's just like dumb lingo like it happens sure we weren't saying lime green jello but i wasn't a teenager back then they weren't teenagers back then so and they did back in the 80s and 90s when you were a kid how is this different than clueless they use slang for that time but you didn't make fun of that literally the writer director talked to actual high school students and got lingo from them and for clueless exactly and you loved it then it sounded stupid it sounded as stupid as lime green jello okay exactly they were fine with it with clueless but for some reason it's a problem with this movie yeah it's because i don't think they see this movie for what it actually is just based on all of these different mashups of words they're using to describe what they think it is well it's not horror enough for them it's not comedy enough for them even though they're saying all these genres that they are it's not enough for them and they're so they're just missing the whole point yeah and finally everyone interested in the film purely for the ample measure of megan fox will be disappointed to learn that no real nudity emerges in the film except for a slow motion unrevealing skinny dip and a gratuitous girl and girl makeout session between fox and cypher neither makes up a sparse of such material. The film doesn't have a large enough body count for a slasher, not enough hip school angst for a teen dramedy, and not enough debauchery or exploitation, and not enough original material for entertainment. I, I'm kind of grossed out mm -hmm. by this last paragraph. Mm -hmm. A lot of people wrote in this manner. Yeah, I can imagine. How do you call yourself a fucking critic when you can't even think critically? Exactly. I mean, they're basically saying what all the other critics who are putting negative reviews out are saying it probably the least gross way i'm assuming i read one way grosser i was gonna include this until i read that part it wasn't just even that they were disappointed that there wasn't nudity but this other critic was like just using like he kept using the word schoolgirl, and i was like i'm oh, i got I'm a whole other level of gross yes and i had to delete it i was like no this is yeah, sorry no pedophiles here <laughs> i'm not reading that sentence <laughs> i'm not being recorded reading that sentence i don't blame you whatever this person is saying so this was most tame i would say yeah. from negative male and my skin's still crawling yeah i'm glad that you included one of them so we could see because it is important to, like because i know we try to avoid 
really rancid ones but it's like i mean i mean this is part of the the conversation of how people view this movie and how misogynistic it can be it's useful to see how the view of it changed and where they were wrong yeah absolutely but i'm gonna go ahead and move on from this one so this one is by stephanie archer from horrific inquiry about jennifer's body and she writes when karen kusama's jennifer's body was released in 2009 it was not a film that spiked my interest even years since its release it has remained at the bottom of my watch list so why now to be honest it is the fans of the film that have piqued my interest every once in a while my twitter feed floods with it with the accolades of the film giving it the sense of a beloved cult classic that needs to be experienced at least once from its well-known images to its it's insane dialogue, including describing Aquamarina's protagonist as a girl who likes, <laughs> who's like half sushi. Jennifer's Body is a film that refuses to stay under the radar. After watching the film, I've come to understand the devotion of Jennifer's Body as garnered over the years, especially as the film gives off the same energy and ridiculous nature of my personal favorite, The Faculty. And while both tackle an intruder obtaining control of its host, Jennifer's Body reaches beyond its influence to capture the deep blood connections that bind, all while tackling deteriorating friendships rooted in narcissism. It may not always hit the marks it sets, but Jennifer's Body is definitely worth the experience. While taking notes, every detail of the film seemed that it could have a purpose. Honestly, a third of the way, I found myself knowing that I had no idea where this movie was going. There are heavy influences, both subtle and in-your-face, of the horror genre woven throughout every fiber of the film. At its core, Jennifer's body is both folklore and possession, playing on many of the common tropes of both the horror and young adult genres. Yet, where the trailers and fan accolades of Meaty over the years have presented her as the meekish friend of Jennifer, here she is a force to be reckoned with. Between her narration and the visuals that accompany, audiences come to understand that she is in a mental institution and the needy we see now kicking orderlies and requiring isolation is not the person she used to be. The idea of the rural town is quickly rooted in the film, that everyone knows everyone vibe is undeniable. This idea stays just below the surface throughout the film, giving an intimate nature to its story as it works through its massacres and catalysts. Settling back of the film's leading ladies, Needy continues her narration, explaining the sandbox bond of friendship that has united Jennifer and Needy since childhood, no matter how different they seem to be from one another. As Needy prepares to join Jennifer for a night at the local bar, audiences get the first true look into the relationship between the two girls, one that seems to be more of a one-sided abuse of power. As the film progresses, the narcissistic abuse of Jennifer towards Needy only grows deeper in its depiction. As the film moves beyond its early moments of introspection into their relationship, Jennifer and Needy arrive at the bar. Up until this point, the pace of the film has been steady, yet seemingly dragging its feet as it was looking for a direction it was ready to commit to. Where the characters are developed in these early scenes, there are moments that feel like filler, yet as the fire rages to life in the bar, Sarah claiming the lives of those inside, it begins to take on a whole new shape. There's no reprieve to the mental strain that these scenes present needy, hiding the film's opening scenes and giving the film its first sense of continuity and believability. Yet, the mental strain does not weigh on the audience. Jennifer's body is not afraid to lean into Jennifer's changed persona, enhancing an underlying narcissism while embracing the gore head-on. Through the slow, meticulous, and increasingly bloody reveal that Jennifer has been possessed by a demon, a succubus to be precise, Jennifer's body takes on different means of perspective and understanding. Yet much of this is not attained until the final moments of the film. As the credits roll, there is a feeling that there was more to the film than just the cinematic depiction of folklore, something deeper to be understood. And I'm not just talking about my unresolved questions regarding J.K. Simmons' Mr. Roblowski's claw for a hand. 
Fair enough. The film tackles a deteriorating relationship between Jennifer and Needy, a common occurrence as friends reach high school and begin to enter the world. This deterioration existed below the surface, easily rationalized by the understanding of who each other is, specifically who Jennifer is. What is intriguing is how the film captures the duality of their friendship as it deteriorates and concludes. Firstly, Jennifer explains to Needy midway through the film the truth of what happened to her in the night the bar burned down, revealing she has no idea why she was brought back. While it is initially revealed that if the sacrifice was not, purely a demon takes over the body, the truth of Jennifer's survival lies in the necklace she and Needy each wear. Where they may be growing apart, they each need each other to survive. Jennifer's body tackles the deeply rooted nature of friendship, that blood is thicker than water. As Needy says in the beginning, they share a sandbox love that will never die. Jennifer and Needy are bound by blood, both literally and metaphorically. I think that's like an easy point of the movie to like overlook because of all of the stuff that you could read into with everything else too. Mm -hmm. And it seems like this person understood what the movie's about more than a lot of people did. Mm -hmm. The part about, I guess, didn't click for me exactly was like the stuff with the necklace at that point the friendship is the only thing that's like keeping jennifer alive as much as she tries to make needy or before this point made needy feel like she as her nickname suggests like needed jennifer she now has to rely on needy in a way that she never had to before or she wouldn't admit that she had yeah if that makes any sense i feel like this whole thing we're both just like i don't know if that was a thought but i had it <laughs> exactly no but i i think it made sense yeah I, I i appreciate this focus of it i just like how in depth they went with it i just thought like this is pretty solid you know yeah those were good those were good reviews uh i'm sorry you had to read gross ones to get there but yeah i was expecting it i didn't deep dive in imdb too much just for the 10 star ones i understand so this is a 10 out of 10 one written in 2022 the title is critically misunderstood I'll admit my bias and say that Jennifer's Body is one of my favorite movies of all time, but that's because it's so good. It gets a bad rap. People think that the movie is all about Megan Fox looking hot and nothing else, when in fact the movie deals with complex female friendships and the experience of being a teenage girl. Plus it has some freaking hilarious moments. If you go into the movie expecting a black comedy about female friendships and being a teenage girl, you're going to love it. Just like appreciate that it's representing an accurate female friendship. Yeah, and the complex complexities of it yeah complexities nuances all that stuff this next one's from letterbox it's <laughs> it's four and a half stars <laughs> this is twilight for bi girls this is my twilight i would take three more of these at a werewolf i'll watch a werewolf please <laughs> <laughs> so this was half a star i couldn't stand her fucking voice and i immediately stopped watching at the chicken scene whoever said this film was in the same territory as but i'm a cheerleader with a badass female coming of age motive kindly go fuck yourself that was a waste of 15 minutes i could have spent taking a depression nap i like both of them so <laughs> so fuck you <laughs> and i didn't even realize that this movie was ever compared to but i'm a cheerleader in any way this is the only time i saw it I mean, I've been having those thoughts yeah. throughout the whole time we've been saying this. Oh, there's comparabilities, absolutely. Yeah, so obviously, yeah, like, does it get brought up super a lot? But, I mean, it's there. I think that you should have kept watching the movie. I think you should have given it a chance, because you can't really say much with only 15 minutes of a movie. This one's a one star. The things I watch for Amanda Seyfried. I've seen this film described on social media as a... What is that? Safik? Safik. 
just means lesbian. A sapphic film, a horror classic, and even a masterpiece, but it wasn't even close to any of these descriptions. It was just a basic and corny movie. It has an interesting plot, but it was awfully executed, and pretty much every scene just made me cringe. One star for Amanda Seyfried, and that's it. I understand if a movie takes more than one watch to get. Mm -hmm. Which a lot of critics above mention. Yeah. They said, like, when I first watched this, I didn't like it, but I gave it a rewatch. Like, two of the positive ones said that. Yeah, and what I'll say is, like, I understand. If I didn't like a movie, and people tell me you gotta watch it again i'm probably not gonna go watch it again not gonna lie so i understand i do see that pushed with this movie of it being like a, a sapphic film i feel like it gets pushed as it being way more overt and like you were saying there was intention of there being more but that stuff had to get cut out i think i would lower the expectation of how much this movie is that way and understand that it had to be a lot more subtle yes one star i say this is my discomfort movie <laughs> not that i agree with them but i do i will be saying that from now on if for movies i don't like cat in the hat is my discomfort movie uh, uncut gems is my discomfort movie <laughs> yes yes mother is my discomfort <laughs> movie so there you go this has no stars this is from letterbox jk simmons with the hair is the demon that haunts my dreams as i sleep i love they don't mention the hook it's just the hair <laughs> Oh, God. The amount of times he's mentioned, and he's in that movie, Two Minutes Tops. It is... That happened on Letterboxd. I didn't include it, but Michelle Williams was barely in But I'm a Cheerleader. She was in the beginning. So many people were like, I watched this just because of Michelle Williams. And I was like, she was in the first five minutes. I couldn't even tell you what she looked like because she wasn't a main character. I love Michelle Williams. I get it. Yeah. But it's like, she was in it for five minutes. I love T.K. Simmons, but he... And he's funny. He's He's got a little bit, but that's it. It's just a bit. I think his character stands out enough, though, in this movie to he's work. He's got a hook. <laughs> he's got a hook. Yeah, but his, his character, I think he stands out more than Michelle Williams in But I'm a Cheerleader. Yeah, did. I think you he know? does have, he has a, a little bit more than her. Yeah. One star from Letterboxd. Do not get the hype, nor do I think this is a classic. It was very 2000s. That was a horror comedy that lacked being funny and scary. Why was Chris Pratt in it for a minute? Wanted to see the band get their fate. 4 out of 10, underwhelming. You didn't finish it. Didn't finish it. <laughs> you gotta watch the end credits. I, I've done it. I've messed up before. You gotta watch the end credits. Uh, <laughs> half a star. Oh, bad take, bad take. This is a terrible, disgusting take. In the year of our Lord, 2022, you made this. I know. Someone wrote this down in the year 2022. This wasn't Parks and Rec era where I would give people a slide. Before we knew he was a piece of shit. Before we knew he was a piece <laughs> yeah. of shit and he was still like this funny, cute guy, whatever. This was 2022. It says half a star. Half star because Chris Pat, Chris Pat was only in it for three minutes. Parentheses. He looks really hot when he's clean shaven. Arguably the worst take you could ever have. I can't, I can't imagine writing those words down and posting them. Bestie, delete this. Oh my god. Oh my god. Ew. <laughs> there was no way. There was no way I couldn't include this. I'm gonna read a few positive ones for a palate cleanser. Thank you. <laughs> we have a five star. It's got Jennifer's body. It's better than The Godfather or the um. What's the little sign? The the alligator eating greater Jennifer's than. body. The greater than sign. <laughs> you did not. You say the alligator's eating. That's how you know it's greater than. Um, my brain's deteriorating. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll divert us back. Uh, have I finished The Godfather? No. Have I finished Jennifer's body? Yes. Many times. So there you go. It's like that thing you say, like, it's my Citizen Kane. 
This is my godfather. So yes, this is our godfather. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the next one is five stars. And I also agree. This is my ladybird. True. Both great movies. Very different reasons. Very different reasons. Very different tones, but they're both great. I don't know if this is my ladybird, but I get it. I get it. No. Yeah. Uh, I just only have a few, a few more just positive ones. Okay. 10 out of 10. Definitely for a horror movie fan. 2022. This is one of my favorite movies. The lines are so funny. The CGI is great. There are so many little weird things. Like Chip has a unicycle in his bedroom. <laughs> the waterfall exists in real life. This movie is tongue in cheek. If you like the Evil Dead movies or Shaun of the Dead, you'll love this as much as I do. Yeah. And Shaun of the Dead, lost episode. Yes, that is a lost episode. Oh my god. Yeah, because I accidentally did the audio wrong um, and deleted the file after. <laughs> but something that came up with Shaun of the Dead, I don't know if you remember, was like it not being horror enough and it not being comedy enough. Yes, I do remember that. That's just like a tricky line with horror comedies that always is going to, someone's always going to say that that's an issue with it. Is that, oh, it wasn't scary enough. Oh, it wasn't comedy enough. I literally read that so many times. Yeah. If those two words are together on a genre, don't expect the most from either. Expect a blend of both. Yeah. Enjoy what you get out of it, you know? And I think they both did great. Yeah. This next one is five stars. Every line in this is fucking iconic. Jennifer Check did absolutely nothing wrong. Diablo Cody needs to write more horrors. I'm glad this finally found its target audience. Hollywood owes Megan Fox an apology. Everyone watch this interview. This this interview, please. Oh, I guess it's a lead to an interview. I did not click on it. Yeah. Michael Bay owes Megan Fox an apology. And Hollywood. Well, just everyone. Because she was just attacked. She just had a really rough time during that. Yeah. The most disgusting thing with situations involving like a woman being attacked online evidenced by this the marketing of this movie that is heavily is also heavily objectified is just like people would say the most vile awful shit about her as a person and shame her for existing and then some of those same people would go jerk off to her yep what's the same as like that uh the massey twin and i'm not saying they went this far but the sentiment yes like reading that they were disappointed or reading about how they know everyone was disappointed that there wasn't any more like nudity or yeah sex scenes and but like they're the same people saying this is an awful movie it's that same thing yeah you're gonna shame her for existing in the body that she does and objectify her at the same t in the same breath when you shame somebody for their body like slut shaming specifically in this case you are also at the same time inherently objectifying them i don't care what a person has done nobody deserves to feel bad for existing no especially for the body they exist in yeah just exactly simply existing as who they are yeah this I, this doesn't relate too much but like it reminds me of like that line in bojack where diane's talking about how she was bullied in high school and they would call her a virgin slut she goes how can i be both a virgin and a slut and they go they would just shove me in a locker yeah <laughs> or make me eat lipstick yes the very last one <laughs> ends on a light note five stars it's the quote from the movie i just got aquamarine on dvd it's about the girl who's like half sushi <laughs> I think she does it in her blowhole or something. <laughs> yes, yes. Someone wrote that down. I forgot to include it, but <laughs> it's the best line. Hey, I love this movie. I love Aquamarine. We should do that one very soon. Yes. It's a great movie. We're talking about that because it's a summer movie. Yeah. We should do like, we should do Aquamarine and Kings of Summer. Oh, that'd be so good. I would do either. 
I would do either. The girls coming of age movie and the boys coming of yes, age movie. Yes, I love that. I loved both. I mean, we both loved, we both loved those movies. I remember we watched that at my house. We watched that so many times in high school. The soundtrack on both we loved. I haven't seen it since high school, so I wonder how it's going to compare in my head from back then to now. Yeah. 17 by Youth Lagoon. Oh, you made my... <laughs> I will never not rem be reminded from that song that I have a funeral video that you made. I made it to 25, so here we are. <laughs> you did. Hey, I'll have to update it if you do die, so can't keep those same clips. Oh, yeah. I don't have bangs. I don't have bangs in it. You need to put video where I have bangs in it. Put it in your will or it's not happening. <laughs> All right. Well, that was my last. Uh, that was my last review. If you had to rate this out of ten, what would you rate it? Ten. It's a Citizen Kane movie. It's a Citizen Kane movie. It's a ten. I love a good coming of age movie. This is a coming of age horror comedy. It's fantastic. I will agree with you. I also give it a ten out of ten. There you go. Mm -hmm. oh, I think we said a lot. I think we said a lot. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad that we're both on the same page with this being a fucking ten out of ten. Mm -hmm. So, if you have any recommendations for us, we'll probably be doing summer movies soon. Okay. We already did Jaws a while ago, so that's off the table. Sorry. <laughs> but if you have any summer movies you want to suggest to us, or, you know, get ahead of it, Halloween movies to do Ooh. when that time comes around. Yep, that's coming up. Yeah. I'm excited for that. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm always excited for that. <laughs> I'm excited for it to not be 100 degrees outside. Yep. Um... <laughs> But anyway, so if you have any suggestions for movies for us to review in the future, you can message us on our Instagram at Easy Big Takes. We also have a TikTok at Easy Big Takes. We have our website where we post our transcripts and review overviews. That's EasyBigTakesPodcast.com. And we also have a letterbox where you can follow us. Don't forget to share us with a friend, follow wherever you listen, and leave a review if you can, because it helps us out a lot. And thank you so much for listening. My name is Kat. And I'm Riley. This has been Easy Big Takes. Easy watching out there. Bye. Bye.